Hey, good morning. Good to see everybody. Good morning, Facebook Live people. This is like, you came to church on a spring break, rainy Sunday morning, like, I don't know if we get extra points in heaven or not, but if we do, you guys are, you guys are scoring big this morning. So my wife and kids are at the airport. I hope my wife is watching right now on Facebook Live. If you are, babe, chime in on comments. I heard Julie say something about there's boxes under the seats. There are boxes under the seats. They are kind of in conjunction. It's the little swaggy item for the new series we're doing. We'll open them up later if you want to. Uh, You can just kind of leave it for now unless you're that person who has to open things early. Like, And that won't bother me at all if you're that person. You're the people that snuck under the Christmas tree when nobody was looking and you opened the gifts, didn't you? Yeah, I get that. So uh, we're starting a new series today called Money Matters. I'm super glad that you're here to start it. We've never done a series where we talked about money as a church, and I'm actually excited about it. I don't like talking about uh, money a whole lot, especially in the church setting. It begins to feel weird to me. Um, But I don't know if you're like me in that my finances, uh, I say a lot of times, my money clip and my heart have a direct nerve connected between the two of them. And so I'm excited to be talking about this series. I need to hear it. Um, Along those lines, this week in the church uh, weekly email that goes out on Thursday or Friday, there was a financial update for the church for the first quarter of 2021. Next week, at the end of service, we're going to do a five-minute family meeting where we kind of just say, hey, here's where we are. Here's what God's doing. Um, So if you're here, I want you to plan to hang around for that. If you're watching by Facebook Live and this is your church, I want you to even stay for that. And I know that some of the parents, uh, I know that kids go back to school five days a week tomorrow, right? Are, the, are you excited? Lana, are you excited? Uh, yeah. Are you, are you excited? They don't go back yet? Oh, man. Well, uh, Lana will be praying for you tomorrow morning at about 9 a.m. So uh, we're praying for kids and teenagers and parents who are seeing kids go back to school. Uh, let me pray. I and mean, Nick is going to come and lead us in worship. And I'm super glad that you're here. God, uh, thank you for a chance to come and just and, and worship you today, Jesus. Uh, we worship you. We want to make much of you. Uh, we thank you for all the things that you're doing. Thank you for birthdays that have been this week. Thank you for life celebrations. I know that there are people watching by Facebook Live who are normally in the room, but they've been at weddings this weekend. We thank you for those things. We thank you that you're with us even in the hard moments and the hard spaces of life. And so wherever we find ourselves today, celebrating, grieving, or just kind of meh, I'm here. We thank you that you meet us where we are. And you don't need us to perform for you today. You don't need us to act like we're somewhere that we're not. God, you want to meet us exactly where we are uh, as we sing to you. You want to meet us where we are as we read your word. You want to meet us where we are as we uh, chat and comment on Facebook Live or as we elbow bump and speak to one another here in the room. Uh, and Jesus, we tell you, we want to make much of you. We want to, we want to meet with you. We know that you probably certainly anticipate more meeting with us than we do with you. But God, we want to meet with you today. We want this next hour to be a real encounter with the living God. So Lord, would you be here among us digitally and in person? And would you be honored by what happens in the next hour? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So. Who has ever played a sport? Played a sport. Awesome. This is going to be great. Okay. And if you're uh, watching on Facebook, put this in the comments. I want to know what your sport of choice is. So who raised their hand? Who raised their hand? Howard, what's your sport of choice? Basketball. Basketball. Oh, Baskin. Soccer. Let's go. You and Drew. You and Drew playing soccer. Drew beat me in FIFA this week like 8 to 1. It was terrible. What else do we have? Who? Tennis? Oh, tennis. Ed, what was yours? Basketball. Anybody else? Baseball and tiddlywinks. That was Pastor JD. I need a crowd mic so people online can hear everything. Okay, so here's the deal. Sports are all over the place, right? My favorite sport uh, is wrestling. I've grown up wrestling all my life, pretty much. Um, Wrestling. Not like TV wrestling, not jumping off the ropes. Different kind of wrestling. (laughs) But I could get down with some of that, too. Um, Anyways, so... Across different sports, like every sport's a little bit different, but across sports, there's, there's certain things that are all the same, right? Coaches are going to use pretty much the same language most of the time. They're going to say things like, you know, they're going to focus on things like teamwork and uh, 
different ideas that aren't specific to that sport. They're just kind of general ideas. And one of those is momentum. You'll hear coaches talk about momentum, right? Uh, on the football field, it happens a lot, especially if like the offense scores and then your defense gets an interception and runs it back. There's a lot of momentum going, right? You scored twice in a row and you want to keep it going. Well, in church life, there's also times of momentum. Ooh, I'm taking this down. There are also times of momentum. And last week, for me, felt like the beginning of a lot of momentum that carried me through the week. Last week was awesome because I sang live for the first time. We had two baptisms. That was awesome. Um, and uh, that carried me through some stuff this week that felt like I was just building on it, right? And uh, there was, there was a, we had a great leader path uh, meeting this week talking about small groups and what that might look like. And so what I want to propose to you is this idea that God uses momentum. Right, that God coaches us using momentum and that we can't, we can't just slow down and be like, God will do all of it, right? But we also have to stop and wait and say, while we're waiting on God, we're looking for what's next because God is constantly working on great things. God is constantly working towards great things. Okay, and so I've put this medley together today uh, based on all these songs that talk about this idea that God has done great things, he's doing great things, and he's going to do great things. Greater things are yet to come and yet to be done. So I don't know if you'll know all of these songs. I'm going to teach you the beginning of it um, at first, but uh, it's pretty repetitive, so I think you'll catch on. Okay, don't be afraid to sing out once you get it. Here we go. Sing it with a mask on, my favorite. It's all right. We're waiting on the lyrics. We have an issue. What's happening? Okay, all right, top left corner, it says clear all. Sorry guys. Now lyrics, here we go. And the lyrics are big this week. Go ahead and throw that first slide up there. Oh, you can read them this week. Awesome, look at that. Here we go, it goes like this. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. All that again. Move the mountains, and I believe I see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I see you do it again. You'll do it again. Yeah, amen. All right, let's stand and sing. I'm going to sing a totally different song now, but we're going to come to that one, back to that one. Oh, come let us worship our King. Come let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. And I know you, oh, uh, yeah has done see how his love overcomes he has done great things he has done great things oh hero of heaven you conquer the grave you free every captive and break every chain oh god you have done great things we in your freedom, awaken the liar. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh God, you have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things, yeah. and I know you will do it again, for your promise is yes and amen, you will do great things, 
church I've seen it and I know you'll do it again and so that's our prayer for our city for our neighborhood for our country and for the world so sing this prayer with me the greater things have yet to come and greater things are still to be done the greater things have yet to come greater things are still to be done in this city that's it that's the whole prayer Greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. Sing it out if you believe. Greater things have yet to come, greater things are still to be done in this city. One more time. Oh, greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done here. What an awesome prayer that we can know and have confidence that God will do great things. Not a, not a hope that he's working for good, but a belief and a faith that he is working for and ultimately, one day we know that all will be made right. We look around at the world and we see things broken. I'm pretty sure everybody in this room, without a show of hands, can say that there's something broken that they see in the world. And that one day we have confidence to know that God 
will work it all out. And that one day, all the earth will shout his name. All the earth will praise him. And so we look forward even farther than our recent future, even farther than just future here on earth, but we look into eternity with hope that greater things are coming. And we sing. We sing all the earth. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great. does great things because he is great and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you lord sing it with me here we go and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you Lord one more time all the earth oh and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are time. Sing it out with me. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. God, we thank you that you are a great God. That you love us, Father, despite what we've done, despite who we are, God. We look at the world around us and we see that things are broken, God. We look at ourselves and we know that there's things wrong. We don't always know how to fix it, God, but we know that something's not quite right, Father. And I praise you and thank you, God, that you have revealed to me and to so many others, God, that you are the fix. That you are the answer to all of our problems individually, that you are the answer to all of our world problems, God. And that ultimately, even in all the mess that we see going on, Father, all the mess that we feel going on in ourselves, God, that we know your promise still stands. God, that you are working all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose, Father, as your word says. And we cling to that promise, God. And we pray that promise, God, over our city, over our neighborhood, and over our nation. Father, as we sing one more time, the greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done. And greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. Sing it out.
things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. And greater things have yet to come. And greater things are still to be done here. Oh, greater things. Greater things. Good, man. I'm going to make a quick adjustment if we can. I'm going to ask you, I think coronavirus, if it's done anything to us, on some level it's made us nervous about we kind of hold our breath when we see one another and hear. Uh, some of you do. Maybe some of you do. Some of you don't. Um, so here's what I want us to do, though. I want us to take a moment. Uh, and this doesn't have to be like a weird, uh, I want us to keep this as like real as possible, we're about to do. Uh, and if you're watching my Facebook Live, I'm going to invite you to participate in this as well. I want to take a moment, just if you want to share something that God's done in your life, that's great. Uh, I don't, it doesn't need to be a five minute speech, I'd rather it not. I'd rather it be just 10, 15 seconds, 5 seconds, 30 seconds of something great that God's done in your life that you want to share. If you're watching my Facebook Live, I want to invite you to write it in there. It might be you stand up and say, or you don't have to stand up, just Keep a seat. They won't hear you. Uh, we'll hear one another in the room. I'll try to repeat some of it. But if you're watching online, you might say, hey, the Lord rescued me from addiction. Hey, I had a loved one who passed away, and God was with me in that. Or uh, we had a child who went through a big medical thing, and God got us through that. But in the room, it might be something like that as well. It might be something uh, super simple. It might be something that's really complicated. You know, uh, I always love hearing Rochelle Williams pray because, man, she is so gifted at just being mindful of the simple things that God does in her life that are great, like having a roof over her head and having breath in her lungs and, and things like that. So if you want to take a moment on Facebook Live or in the room, I'd just love to hear something great that God has done for you before we kind of move past this. If anybody wants to share just uh, right now, I'll give you permission to share something God's done great in your life. If you have asking, go. Mm. Man, we've been with you in some anxious times, and the Lord has brought you through so much of that through anxiety. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, Howard. Yeah, how many months has it been now since the accident? Eight months ago, man. Howard literally had not just a brush with death, like, I mean, a face-to-face encounter with death. He and Julie, we met Julie, like, in the, in literally in the, in Howard's valley of the shadow of death, and God uh, saved him, and uh, physically and also spiritually in the midst of that. Somebody else. Yeah, buddy. What do you say? He spared my life. Amen, man. Amen, Junior. I love it, brother. Somebody else? Yeah, Nicole. Yeah. Watch Ari recover. So good. Anybody else? Yeah, Bonnie. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, it's funny, you know, like we tend to think of like calamity and tragedy, but man, if God doesn't do great things in our relationships and in our finances and everything day to day, man, we will sink the ship. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that center of your marriage. Anybody else? Yeah, Nikki, go. Did Nick just feed you that, by the way? I saw Nick lean and whisper something in your ear. <laughs> Nick's like, tell him I'm awesome. <laughs> no, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to mess with you. God called you here. Amen. Man, how sweet is that? Good. Anybody else? Yeah. Man, what an answer to prayer for years and years, right? I remember the day that Carson and I were at Bacon Truck, and it just like you could tell the light went off. And there's a lot of prayers, and a lot of not just by you, but by your mom and people who loved him that sort of led up to that moment. That's awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, so. We're very happy that God has brought us here to Cuba. Amen. Yeah, you guys weren't here last Sunday, and I noticeably miss you. Uh, so thankful for you and Ruth. Amen. That's awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, Teresa. Um, a lot of things that God brought to me attention that and then brought me back to Man, that's amazing. Yeah, I feel like, I, even as I felt like God was like, give everybody a moment to share about I was like thinking about what some of you might say. And I was like, whoo, Teresa's got a lot of ways that God has done some great things in her life. And uh, yeah. Recent and over the long haul as well. 
thank you for sharing that. Anybody else? That's awesome. If you think of one and you want to whip it out, like whip at your phone and write it in the Facebook Live uh, comments, whatever, I'll go back and read them later. But uh, I just love that. I think that's good. Uh, so often we can, when we get up here, the pastor can say, oh, God has done great things. Or we can sing, God has done great things. And we forget, like, it, we need to be encouraged by hearing what God has done. Um, because the faithfulness of his track record reminds us in the chaos that he will be faithful again. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, isn't that super helpful? This morning we were, I was taking Nat and the boys through the tunnel to the airport. And we get over into East Boston. And Nat's looking back over at the city, and she was like, man, it really is a beautiful city. And, um, and it's such a breathtaking view when you go. And so I was riding back over, and I'm not going to lie, like, everything, when I'm riding from East Boston to Char- back to Charlestown, like, I, I just look for the Tobin, the monument, and I'm like, everything I need is right there. Like, I kind of will glance over at the skyline, but I'm like, everything is right here by the Tobin and right beside it, right? And, um, but I, I just thought, Lord, like, you want to do more than we can ask or imagine in this city. And not just for like the church's sake, but for the sake of the gospel and so that people would know the Lord. Like God wants to do more, greater things, like we just said, greater things, greater things. There's times I can forget it and just get so mired down in life or you can see the news and be like, man, these people are never going to come to know the Lord. Do you ever feel like that? Like, man, my family member, my neighbor, my coworker, they're never going to come to know Christ. And in those moments, I want to encourage you to remember that he's done great things before, and he doesn't stop. He doesn't get us into the middle and abandon us. All right, that was all free. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you wouldn't mind, if you got a Bible, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're starting this series today, Money Matters, talking about money matters because money matters. Uh, I grew up in a single-parent home. My mom worked three jobs. She was a public school teacher for, I think, 37 years. And uh, after she got done teaching uh, during the day, a lot of two nights a week, we would go to the juvenile hall for the kids who were in juvie. She would help them in math. And then uh, four nights a week, and sometimes on Saturdays, she would tutor kids in math out of our house. And so she did all of that um, because my dad, for a lot of his life, didn't pay child support. And we, and my mom was a grinder. Like, my mom, I feel like, is a Southern woman with a Bostonian soul. Like, I feel like if you're going to make it in Boston, in Boston, you've got to be a grinder. And my mom is certainly that. She is financially, in a lot of ways, my hero. And when I had my grandparents, they taught us good stewardship. They taught us about tithing. They also taught us about living generously and about how to have fun. My grandparents like understood that money had uh, multiple purposes, and one of the purposes of money was to have fun. And so I never will forget, my grandparents uh, moved out of a neighborhood, the home they had lived in for like 40, 50 years in 1996, and my granddad was bargaining with this man for a house in, uh, more, it was in more of the suburbs. And finally, my granddad goes, and they're haggling over price, but they're getting close. My granddad goes, I'm just going to go ahead and write you a check for this price right here, but I'm telling you today. And like the idea that the man was literally going to get a check in full for the price of the house. He was like, okay, Mr. Sanders, we're going to do that deal. Like, you know, that's much easier getting a check right there than haggling over a couple thousand dollars. And uh, I loved that. Nat and I were insanely dumb financially. Like I had my mom, the hustler, and my granddad and grandmother, the good steward, uh, in my in my sort of financial uh, family tree, and we were so dumb for the first four years of our marriage. We look back now, and we were like, were we burning our money in the fireplace to stay warm? Like, literally, what were we doing with the money that God was blessing us with? And then for the next few years of my life and our marriage, I was underpaid by my fault. Like, I thought that if you took less money, that was the noble thing to do. And I put a ton of stress on myself and on my family. And then finally, God put some really good, really wise, really smart people around she and I. And that allowed us to begin to understand money matters in full. Because honestly, like when it comes to money in church, if like I would think that most of us, when we've heard people talk about money in church, they're only talking about one thing. They're talking about passing the plate. Right? Do you think about that? I don't think about my pastor telling us, hey, learn to take really good vacations. 
or learn to save money or learn to invest in this or that. I didn't hear that stuff. I just heard when we talked about money, it was about how the church needed more of it and we need to give more of it. And, uh, and that's not the healthy way to, to live and to think about money. I've seen good examples. I've seen poor examples. I've been wise. I've been really dumb in my life when it comes to finances. And I've seen uh, the most that the, what the Bible says about money matters is true. Now, I only heard a small snippet of what the Bible talked about money. But what I've experienced in the last few years is what the Bible says about money is very true. So where uh, in your life is there alignment between biblical principles uh, and money or relationship with God and money? Where for you is there alignment? And I want to ask, like, where is there not alignment? And this is all kinds of areas. This might be in budgeting. Are you aligned with God's principles for budgeting? Or are you not aligned? Are you uh, aligned with him on spending or not aligned? On saving, on giving, on investing, on enjoying, on blessing others, on debt, or on something else? Or is there alignment for you uh, in those areas? Or is there lack of alignment? And we want to get aligned with God and the gospel and biblical principles for our money matters. I want to tell you, God has a plan for you when it comes to your money. Uh, how many of you are like, you don't, you don't lose a second sleep about money? All right, one, cool. Vaskin's going to pray for the, oh, a couple over here, good. How many of you, yeah, you worry a little bit about it. You worry a little, yeah, a little bit. How many of you lay in bed at night like free, all right, yeah, me too, yeah, I got it. Okay, awesome. Listen, I want to tell you, God has done great things as we just sang about, and he has great things for your finances as well, and his plan works. His plan may not be easy, but his plan works. And so as we do this series over the next four weeks, actually the next five weeks because we won't do it on Mother's Day, as we do this series over the next four weeks, my prayer for you is that you get one win, and you get to pick what the win is. But I want you to get one win as it comes to Jesus and the gospel and money matters. So with that said, let's read 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10 today if we can. Uh, I won't give you a lot of the backstory other than to say that Timothy is Paul's uh, student. He's one of his disciples, and Timothy became a church planter and a pastor. And this letter is kind of a letter saying, Timothy, here's how you do ministry. Here's how you pastor well and and disciple a church and he's towards the end of it and he says this in first timothy 6 6 through 10 but godliness with contentment is great gain but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we can't take anything out of the world but if we have food and clothing with these we will be content but for those those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare and into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. Now, I want to reread that verse because I've, if you're like me, I've heard this verse incorrectly quoted most of my life. What I heard most of my life was, for money is the root of all evil. Have you ever heard that quoted before? Right. Let's see what the Bible actually says. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. That's a little different than what I grew up hearing. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. That, that, uh, that phrase in verse 6 about contentment, godliness with contentment. Let me give you a definition real quick of contentment. Contentment is the conviction that Christ's power and purpose and provision is sufficient for every circumstance. Contentment is the conviction that Christ's power and purpose and provision is sufficient for every Circumstance. When I realize that Jesus knows how much I make and how much I need, all those things, I can go, whew, whew, I'm in safer hands. I mean, our finances were tight as kids. We've talked about growing up, Lana and I both grew up in single parent homes. And so when Carson and Lana and Nat and I have hung out, we've talked about that. There was an anxiety that I felt as a kid growing up in a single parent home. Some of you also have felt that. I know, though, let me tell you, I know I didn't feel that like my mom felt it. 
My mom felt it on like a next level. I probably haven't thanked her enough over the years for how she carried that weight. Contentment is knowing that you are taken care of by bigger, stronger, more capable hands. And biblical contentment is knowing the Lord's hands are the biggest hands. And the Lord's resources are infinitely more than we could ask or imagine. So Paul says, but godliness with contentment is great game. And he says, for we didn't bring anything into the world and we can't take anything out of the world. There's a phrase in the South that pastors would say a lot. They would say, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. And man, that's so true. I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. We have to, we can admit it and believe it, and we have to then adjust our lives around it because so much of our life, right, is spent gathering stuff like the hearse is going to pull the U-Haul one day. And so then he said in verse 8, if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. You know, I, I forget it, but like if we have food and clothing, those are luxuries that most of the world don't have. That's a crazy thought. Like, I'm so conditioned to think I need more. But if I have food and clothing, I have more than what most of the world has. My brother went uh, with an organization to Africa several years ago, and he came back a liberated man. And here's why. He said, what? He said you know, God taught me something while I was there. He said, once you realize shirt is just thing to keep you uh, from being sunburned all the time, then you see how silly it is to have orange shirt, green shirt, plaid shirt, wool shirt, flannel shirt. He's like, he said, you know, he, he goes, and I never forget this, he said, most Americans pity people of poverty in other countries. He said, but truthfully, we ought to be the ones who are pitied because we've lost the understanding that if we have food and shelter and clothing, then we have more than what we need. And in fact, I'll tell you, uh, even most Christians globally don't have the things that we would consider the most basic necessities. And even most of us as Christians do have more than Paul or Jesus ever had. And man, that one falls on me pretty hard. When I think the things that I labor and strive for, Jesus Christ of Nazareth never had the God man, God with skin on, come to save the world, but the king of the universe never had those things. When we realize that, that allows us, if we have food and clothing, we can hold to the conviction that Christ's power and purpose and provision are sufficient for every circumstance. We have three problems. Drew, are you taking notes today? Drew's my one good note taker that I see in the room. A couple of the note takers aren't here. Some of you take notes on the phone. There's three problems that we see in these first three verses. One, we have a contentment problem. We have a contentment problem. I want to read you a quote by Bernie Sanders. I bet you didn't think you were going to get in a Bernie quote when you came to church today. Bernie Sanders has said this. He said, Let us wage a moral and political war against the billionaires and corporate leaders on Wall Street and elsewhere whose policies and greed are destroying the middle class of America. Now, why do I read that? That's not a gospel quote. Uh, you know, that's just a quote from Bernie. And I can see him sitting there at inauguration with his mittens and jacket on that folding chair, right? Now, let me build on that one and give you a little Richard quote. Because I know you didn't think you were going to hear Bernie Sanders and little Richard today. And it's not good golly Miss Molly. Little Richard once said, greed has taken the whole universe and nobody is worried about their soul. Now, let's put those two quotes together and understand an issue we have. As humans, we have a contentment problem. And so if we rob the rich to give to the poor, we would still be no better off because the problem is not that just wealthy people are content or discontent. The problem is that all of us as human beings struggle with discontentment. And so if we took all the wealth from one group in society, be it uh, wealthy Americans or uh, wealthy people of one part of the country or wealthy whatever, if we took all of their wealth and we gave it to people in another country or people who have a different set of bank account or live in a different part of the country, we would still be just as morally bankrupt because we have a greed problem and we have a heart problem. We have a contentment problem. And so uh, in this idea, Bernie's idea falls apart. Our problem is not that the wealthy are discontent. Our problem is that the humans are discontent. 
And we live under the weight of that all the time as a culture and as people. Paul Tripp has said discontentment is the soil in which the love of money grows. Discontentment is the soil in which the love of money grows. So our first problem is a contentment problem, as verse 6 talks about. Our second problem comes from verse 7. It's a memory problem. We forget that we came into the world with nothing, and we can't take any of it with us. We forget we came into the world with nothing. I love Sheldon Cooper from Big Bang Theory. You know, I, I think there was an episode, I think it's Sheldon Cooper, something I was watching the other day, where he's describing the day of his birth. Like, and what it was like the day he was born or just being a brand newborn infant. We can't do that. And so we have a memory problem. We can't remember that we came into the world naked. I think we've got Job 121. Will you throw that verse up for me? And Job 121, Job's lost everything in a day, financial and relational calamity. And this is his testimony. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name. The Lord. We have a memory problem. We forget that we were born into this world with nothing and we can't take any of it with us. We would do well to remember and reflect on the full bandwidth of our lives when it comes to money. Natalie's grandma passed away earlier this year and last year, I think she turned 104. I think she passed away when she's 104 or 103. Granny Polly, if you're watching from heaven, please forgive me. Um, and uh, But I remember uh, Nat's Aunt Ella gave her pajamas last year for her 104th birthday, and Granny Polly opened them and said, man, why are y'all always giving me pajamas? Why can't you guys give me some money? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That gives you good perspective. When you're 103, how many pairs of pajamas do you need? I was like, dang, Granny, like, might drop the family. Like, quit giving me pajamas. Just give me some money. She understood there's just so much collecting that you need to do as you get into the twilight years of your life. You're not taking it with you. And so we have a memory problem. And then the third problem, we have a contentment problem, a memory problem. And then as verse 8 shows us, we have a perspective problem. Paul said if we have food and clothing, we get this unholy trinity of where we talk about my wants, my present, and my future... And then my feelings. And because my wants for what I presently do or do not have make me feel bad, I think I need more. And, uh, or I think I need to adjust. And so we have a perspective problem. We forget others. We forget the big picture. And what's the big picture? The big picture is the gospel. Let me tell you real fast the gospel story. The gospel story is this. That God made everything. Because he is good, and he didn't make it because he's lacking or because he was lonely. He made everything because it would be a way for him to love and show something of himself in the universe. And so God created, and therefore God is before all, and God is good, and he is in control. And out of that creativity, God created people. The problem with people is we are not all loving and we are not all knowing. And so we as human beings sinned and we lost something. And the thing we lost is we lost a bit of his image that is reflected in us. You know, the Bible says, the story of creation says that God would come and walk in the garden with Adam and Eve before they fell into sin. And I think that is an opportunity that we are no longer afforded because we've lost so much of God's image because of sin. He cannot come and physically walk among us like he, the Bible says he once did. So God created, we sinned. The third part of the gospel story is that Christ redeems. God doesn't leave us in our brokenness to work our way back to God. He redeems. He meets us in our brokenness, and he redeems us. He takes sinful people and makes them part of his family. So we go from moral brokenness to relational connectedness. That's the gospel. We have relationship with God and Christ. And the last part of the gospel narrative is that Christ restores And so God creates, man sins, Christ redeems, Christ restores and allows us to be part of restoration. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. Everything in life falls under that narrative. My marriage and my relationships fall under that narrative. 
God made it. We broke it. Christ redeems it. Christ will restore it. My finances fit into that narrative. God made money. He declared, I guess, that he would have declared money was good before the fall. People mess it up. Christ will redeem it. Christ will restore it. Everything we know falls under that gospel narrative. And we need the perspective issue of remembering our souls, relationships, money, career, everything comes under the narrative arc of the gospel and of what God is doing in history. So unaddressed contentment or memory or perspective problems will always do this. They will always lead us into self-destruction. We'll always end up in self-destruction. Paul talks about those three verses, and he says in verse 9, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless, harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Howard and I have talked a lot of times, and he'll say, I spent a lot of my life uh, chasing shiny things. His quote, not mine. When Christ comes into your life and he saves you, as Howard just kind of testified to, it shifts your perspective. The fruit of an unchecked approach or the fruit of an unchecked appetite, the Bible would tell us, is self-destruction. So let's read verse 10. Can you throw verse 10 up there again? Awesome. For the love of money, not, not money, but the love of money is a root, not the root, of all kinds of evils, plural, not evil. If you were like me, you heard the, you heard money is the root of all evil. So if you had money, you should fee, feel guilty because you were then participating in evil. And most of the narrative I heard was to not participate in evil, where do you need to put this? In the collection plate. And it was manipulation. It was manipulation. So much of what I heard in churches was manipulation, trying to get people, oh, uh, money is the root of all evil, so give it to the church. Well, what is the, what is the church going to do with it? Like, is the pastor so good? Is the church so good that they're not going to do something with, stupid with it too? The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, Paul wrote, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It's not the big problem. Our hearts are the big problem. Money matters, but money itself is amoral in a sense. The love of money becomes the issue. And that leads to the big idea today. If you take one note, here's the big idea, okay? One note, here it is. Money problems are always worship problems. Money problems are always worship problems. And I'm going to explain that in just a moment. Every one of us has to choose. Will I worship the creator or will I worship the created? Will I worship the creator or will I worship the created? That is a worship issue, right? Can we agree with that? Now, would money fall into the created category? Absolutely. So my money problems are worship issues. If I'm struggling with money, anxious about money, terrible with money, allocating it poorly, hoarding it in debt, got to prove something to somebody, I have a worship problem, not a money problem. Second thing we have to choose, are we going to live vertically or horizontally? Again, worship issues. Am I going to live chasing just the things I see right here horizontally? Oh man, I got to have that car. Oh, we got to get that. Oh, we got to save this amount. Oh, we got to have this in the bank. Oh, man, my wife's got to wear this. Oh, I got to do this. I got to look this certain way. Are we going to pursue only horizontal things or are we going to pursue vertical things, relationship with God? Money is not about money. It's always a worship issue. When we align ourselves with the creator and our perspective shifts toward him and toward who he is and what he's done, then I become really liberated about all this stuff and can put it in its right perspective. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. When I get this right, then I'm really free to just view this almost unemotionally and with a very wise heart. And then Paul Tripp says this. Uh, it's one of his main things he talks about. And you'll hear me talk about him a lot in this series because I love what he says on money. He says a good thing becomes a bad thing when it becomes an ultimate thing. 
a good thing becomes a bad thing or a sinful thing or a destructive thing when it becomes an ultimate thing. There are all kinds of good things that become ultimate things uh, and become then destructive. They become destructive things when we make them the most important. I've seen good things become really horrible things. Nick and Nikki moved up here almost a year ago from the South. Uh, In the South, uh, there's this thing called college football. The people up here in New England don't know about college football, but south of the Mason-Dixon line, they play games on Saturdays. And uh, in other parts of the world, those Saturday games are actually bigger than the Sunday games. Uh, and they're so big, um, and this is where New Englanders totally get it right. We understand that the games that happen on Sunday are the important games. So we can go to church and then go watch the game, and if we're mad on Monday, it's okay because it's just work. In the south... People watch their games on Saturday. Football is great. Football's a good thing. But here's what happens. Football becomes this monster in people's hearts, college football. And like on Sunday, it's all folks can think about. It's all they can talk about. I promise you. So where Nick and Nikki were, they were right on the borderline where you would have the University of Georgia fans and the Auburn University fans. And you could tell the temperature of the room. Who you, did, you wouldn't even have to watch the game. You can literally know who won and lost based on the temperature of the room on Sunday. Uh, I promise you, if there's a Sunday where, where Auburn, that's your team, right? And Georgia, that's my alma mater, where they both lost, I bet you the church would be down 30%. And, and the 70% that are there are just miserable and angry. Nobody sings. A good thing becomes a destructive thing when it becomes an ultimate thing. College football, money, relationships, all of these things can become destructive things. The love of money is the root or a root of all evil. Therefore, money fights, having not enough in retirement, having debt, poor budgeting, overspending, never being satisfied. These are fruit problems. These are fruit issues, not root issues. Money fights are fruit issues. Uh, You can have spending caps. You can have spending apps. You can have cash envelopes. And you cannot have healing in your heart when it comes to money because it's a root problem. You can have, you cannot go shopping. You cannot go on vacation. You cannot whatever and still not have healing because it's a root problem. You can save like crazy. You can tithe like crazy. You can bless like crazy and still not have healing because those are all fruit issues and not root issues. And we need to get to the root. We have to address the root. And so let me tell you this and winding it down. I'm going to share four quick little points of application and we'll be done. Money problems are always worship problems. Money matters because worship matters. Money matters because worship matters. And so money matters, our worship matters. Repeat that with me or put it in the chat. Money matters are, I'm going to say it again, money matters or worship matters. Will you repeat it with me? Money matters, our worship matters. If you hear nothing else today, hear that. How I relate to this says almost about as much as, in my, as my heart can say about how I relate to this. Because the two are not disconnected. Money matters or worship matters. The second thing I want to tell you, left alone without the Lord, I am the biggest danger to myself. Without the Lord, I'm the biggest danger to myself. You give me all the Dave Ramsey apps. You can put a bunch of money in my retirement. You can help my bank account. You can mail me a stimulus check every month. You can do all those things, and they're all fantastic. But left alone, I am the biggest danger to myself. Not what I have or don't have. The third thing I want to tell you is that God makes, man breaks, Jesus rescues and redeems and restores. God uh, in Christ will meet us and rescue us and change our hearts at our point of need. When you are desperately, as Teresa shared about nearly physically drowning, when you are drowning in money issues, Christ will meet you at the place where you are drowning. When it feels like your finances have hit you like a car on Medford Street, Christ will rescue you. When you are being eaten alive by sickness and disease, just like happens with our bodies, with our health, Christ will meet us and heal us of our financial sickness 
and brokenness. And he will change our hearts. And he may not change your bank balance. He may not change your portfolio, your student loan balance, your giving statement, your 401k, your credit card bills, or your cash allowance. But he will change your heart. We baptized Drew and Teresa last week. And there's been so many times in my life where we've seen someone come to Christ and then get baptized. And then the next week they'd be like, dude, I'm ready to tap out. This is the worst week I've ever had. I'm like... Man, you are no threat to God's enemy, the devil, up until about last Sunday. And now you're a real threat to him. And you think he's just going to take that lying down with no issues? Coming to Christ, surrendering to Christ, aligning with Christ is not going to make your issues go away. But Christ will always meet us at our point of deepest need, which leads to the last thing. The glory of the gospel, the generosity of the Lord, compels and fuels, not demands, our worship. God's generosity will compel our worship. Every time I give financially, it's an act of worship. Every time I give, it's an act of worship. It's just like standing back there and singing, raising my hands, singing, kind of trying to clap, see if there's, the room is okay with me clapping. Like It's the same when I give. It's the same. The glory of God and the gospel, the generosity of the Lord fuels our worship. It doesn't demand it. It fuels it. it It doesn't demand our giving. It fuels our giving. So money matters. Our worship matters. So I'm going to wrap it up saying this. You can, uh, under your chair, you can pull out the little box if you haven't peeked already. I think I've got me one right here. Every family can take however many you want. We have plenty. You get a little pig. Bet you didn't think you were getting that today, did you? I want you to take it. I know his tail moves. Look, you put the quarter in or the nickel or the dime or the penny, and then you lift the tail and it falls in there. I love it. I love it. Here's what I want you to hear. And we'll have them every Sunday if you're not here today, but you'll be here in a future Sunday. Here's what I want you to hear. This is not for you to tithe. This is not even for you to give to the church. In the next month, I want you to pick an area where you want to see growth or you want to see change. And I want you to set this as a reminder that the issue is not what's in here. The issue is what's in here. And we need the Lord to adjust this, okay? But maybe you'll say, you know what? I'm going to take my significant other on a, on a baller date. And so I'm going to stuff the money in here. Listen, that's a stewardship issue. Maybe you say, I'm going to start saving for my kid's college. And this is going to be a reminder you're going to do that. Maybe my dad used to save his change all year, and that was how he paid for Christmas. Was with his change. If they had $200, guess what? We were getting $200 worth of Christmas presents. If they had $800, guess what? It's going to be a nice Christmas. That was how they did it. I don't know what God's going to call you to, but I want you to understand that money issues are not about tithing and giving. Money issues are worship issues. And so God meets us with how we're going to spend all this stuff and steward all this stuff. Let me pray for us. God, I pray that these little pigs would get filled up. (laughs) I pray that people would, right now, that you would be impressing on our hearts that uh, some of us, uh, well, all of us need to be really aligned with your heart as it comes to money matters. And God, I pray that, you know, it can be like, well, what does money have to do with salvation? Or has everything to do with salvation? We could also say the same about our marriages or our relationships. What do those have to do with the gospel and salvation? Have everything to do. These are all just worship issues. And so, Lord, as we look at these pigs and we take them home, we begin to fill them maybe with change or $1 bills or whatever. I pray that they would have purpose in them. But I pray the purpose would not be guilt and condemnation. I pray the purpose would be that we would say, no, this is God's money that he's entrusted to me and we're going somewhere with it. And maybe it'll be something really ninja style like paying down a debt or God, maybe it'll be giving back or maybe it'll be blessing someone else or maybe it'll be taking a vacation or going on a date. And all of those things are fine if we frame those things within the narrative of the gospel. So God, would you do a work on our bank accounts and our piggy banks? Would you bless these people financially in unexpected ways in the weeks to come? But even more, Lord, would you do a work in our heart? God, we want you to touch the fruit. I ask that you bless these people financially, that the fruit of their finances is good. But Lord, I pray even more that the root of their finances, the things at the heart, 
what they love, whether they're living vertically or horizontally, worshiping the creator or the created God. Would you do a work in our hearts and we'll love you and we'll honor you. Jesus, we thank you that our money tells the gospel. And so God, for people today who maybe would say, I'm a sinner, I need to turn in faith to Christ and trust him not just for my finances, but for everything. I pray that people would make that decision and follow through, follow up on it. And we thank you, God, that you're meeting us in this series on a very tangible thing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Hey, a couple things in closing. Really quickly, if, if you are in here and you would take out your smartphone and uh, fill out your connection card, ChristChurchCharlestown.com slash connect. If you're watching by Facebook Live, QR code here, let us know you're here. That would be fantastic. Nick has an announcement that he is going to share really quickly. Let me just remind you really fast, next Sunday we're going to have a quick five-minute family meeting, five to ten-minute family meeting when church is over. I'm going to shorten the message so that we're not here super late on Mother's Day. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Monday through Saturday, this is a florist shop. Sean, who's visited the church a good bit uh, in person and online, uh, runs a a flower shop, baby boil bouquets out of here Monday through Saturday. And just because we understand that Mother's Day is like code for flowers, we reached out to Sean and said, hey, we won't meet here on Mother's Day so that you can meet here. So by next Sunday, we're going to let you know where we'll be meeting on Mother's Day. It'll be in Charlestown but it won't be here. We want to allow Sean to have the space to do his business on that day. And then on the 18th, we're having baptism again. Uh, and Nicole's getting dunked. And, and maybe so. I know, isn't that awesome? Yeah, man, that's awesome. Clap for that. Are you going to be nervous? A little bit? Oh, really nervous. All right. So that's going to be awesome. If you don't want Nicole to fly solo on that, let us know on the connection card or in person if you want to be dunked on that day and go public with your faith. And uh, Nick, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, and I'll read the benediction here in just a moment. All right. Well, um, so as you know now, I'm singing live, and that means that there's a bunch of stuff over there that I have to let go of, right? And so two things. I've already reached out to a couple of people, but if you are interested in what goes on over there in tech ministry, um, I would love to train you. Um, I'd love to have enough people. We do have, you know, Ari and, and Hope and um, Christine's going to learn some stuff. And, um, but I want to have enough people where you're not out trying to be here every single week, right? I don't want to rely on somebody every single week. I don't want you to get burned out. If you want to be here and help out every week, I'm not going to turn that down. <laughs> but um, if you're like, man, I could do this once a month. That sounds awesome. Right? I could do this once every two months. That sounds great. Right? We've got an awesome app that will get you on a schedule. You'll know a week ahead of time. You can let me know. You can block out dates. It's this whole thing. Okay? So I'd love to get started on that. So there's going to be a, a piece of paper out there with really fancy printed, I'm just kidding, writing that I just wrote down um, <laughs> for you to give me your name, email, and phone number. Uh, and then also music. I want to, as quickly as possible, not be the only person up here singing and leading, okay? But that means we've got to practice. We've got to do a whole bunch of stuff, right? So um, if you are interested in music ministry in any way, and you can put answers in the chat, by the way, if you're on Facebook today. Um, I'll go back and look at them. If you're interested in music ministry, and let me clarify that really fast. Number one, if you're like, ooh, do I have to audition? I mean, kind of, but it's not American Idol, okay? (laughs) All right? I mean... It would be great if you could actually carry a tune, right? But <laughs> if it's not American Idol, right? If you're interested in maybe playing an instrument or learning an instrument, I want your name too. I want to know, okay? So that I can teach you or get you resources to teach yourself or whatever, right? Um, if you want to know, this is part of music ministry. This is my last little bit right here. If you want to know what goes into picking songs every Sunday and you want to be a part of that process, you don't want to sing them, you don't want to play them, but you want to have a voice in what songs are sung up here on Sunday, what songs connect with you, that's music ministry, okay? So writing your name on this piece of paper that says music ministry is not committing to learn how to sing or learn to play an instrument. Everybody clear on that? Awesome. These will be out in the, in the lobby, so don't like congregate over here. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Play electric guitar. If you can do that, then you can uh, give a song suggestion. <laughs> now play, now play. Uh, it's amazing. Some of you have like like Buddy the Elf special talents that we don't even know about. Like Saul is a really gifted musician, 
And uh, don't, don't shrug your shoulders like that's not true. That's true. And a really gifted artist. And we would not know that just naturally. We've gotten to know that. So if you have Buddy the Elf special talents, write them on that uh, sheet because we want to hear them. And, uh, and man, we have a really diverse church. For, like we're a really diverse small church. And we want to, our church to look like our community. And we want that to be reflected up here in who is teaching the Bible, who's sharing testimonies, who's leading music, and all of that. So do sign up for that on some way, even if you're just really opinionated about the song choices. You can even sign up for that. All right, I think that's it. Stand up. Let me ask the Lord to bless us. Take your pig with you. We'll have more next week. Be dreaming with God about what he wants you to do with that pig as you fill it up. Or if you are not a cash money person because it's 2021 and I'm not that old, I do know that, like uh, what God wants to dream with you about everything else. Let me bless you. Ask the Lord to bless you. Lord, for your goodness and for your generosity and giving us all we need, Lord, will you help us to praise you, O God, in every circumstance in life, in good times and bad times, Help us to trust you, O God. In love and faithfulness with all that we have and with all that we are, help us to serve you, O God. As we speak or write or listen to those nearby and those far away, help us to share your love, O God. In our plans and work for ourselves and for others, help us to glorify you, O God. In every thought and every word and every deed, by the power of your Holy Spirit, this week, may we live for you, O God. And may we find that you are living your life through us and pouring your love and grace and mercy and generosity and all the good stuff out on us in every breath we take this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go out in grace. I love you guys. Have an amazing day.